Welcome to Rocco Radio. I'm Jason Bryan and you're listening to The Big Interview. These days there seems to be more and more activity on Volte. As reported in September this year by the GSA, over 200 operators are currently investing in Volte globally. And there are over 120 countries where Volte has currently been commercially deployed. A few weeks ago, Rocco announced the Tier 1 vendors in our IPX Network's Vendor Performance Research. Among the five companies MNOs rated as the best in performance and leadership was iBasis, a company well known for their leadership in supporting MNOs with Volte. Recently, we had the opportunity to interview Head of Product Management Mobile Services at iBasis, Chris Lennertz. In his interview, Chris discusses IPX services in the context of Internet of Things, 5G, and how roaming teams are getting acclimatized to the growth in roaming following intense roaming regulations. You see that roaming becomes, instead of a, let's say, a second-hand feature, it becomes an integral part of the overall user experience. The only thing is that we have been spoiled in the last 20 years and that those spoiling days are over, so we have to adapt to a new reality. It's a pleasure to be here with Chris Lennartz from iBasis. And, and what's your role in iBasis? I'm responsible for product management of our mobile service portfolio. Ooh, what does that involve? It sounds a very interesting job. It is, actually. It revolves around IPX and all its possibilities. So that means signaling, which includes diameter and SS7. It involves data, which is, of course, GRX and S8. It involves IoT, voice over LTE. And it also involves all the value-added services around that, like analytics, reporting, steering of roaming, what have you. My goodness, you're a one-man show. I mean, why do you need other employees when you're doing so much? That's a good point. I'd have to talk to my boss about that. <laughs> no, I mean, how hard is it? No, actually, these... I, I, I don't do that alone. We have, we have a whole team of, of, of experts across the globe who are helping me with this. So you're the voice box of all of these products and services on behalf of iBasis? Yeah, the evangelist inside and outside. <laughs> Every company needs one. Yeah, but it's yeah. tough, isn't it? It's really tough these days because, um, well, we all enjoy the fact that telecoms is constantly changing and evolving. But in reality, there's so much going on. And the implications of one thing, one new, let's say, direction that the industry takes can affect another. In simple terms, all of these different directions that the telecoms industry is taking, of course, all interconnected in some way. Anyway, I'm going to kick off with congratulations, actually, because Rocco just released last week its IPX Network's Vendor Performance Report for 2017, and it was really great to see iBasis there in the Tier 1. What was the reaction of the team? Any surprises, or you're fully confident about this position? (laughs) Well, yes, we are confident, but it was also a surprise, because it's always nice to get a prize like that. I mean, two weeks ago, we won the Carrier's World Award IPX Service of the Year, which was great. And then two weeks later, we, we got this. So it's a very happy period for us. So but basically, we are, we are very honored to be recognized as one of the Tier 1 IPX vendors because it's, it's truly the reward we have been looking for after our big growth in the LT roaming. It is the confirmation that mobile operators are looking for a more open environment and are demanding a lot more in terms of IP expertise, operational support and managing their exploding data roaming traffic, but also creative innovations to face the quickly changing market. 
No, it's it's always interesting for us to see the results and to see what operators are really thinking because, of course, with IPX, this is something that's really evolving and, and there's more and more dependency, right, on IPX services these days. And there was, like, say, a few years ago when LTE was fairly new and people were making still the transition from GRX to IPX. And so I guess that, you know, you're seeing completely different traffic levels and growth year on year in the IPX space. Oh, yes. The, the traffic has been exploding enormously. As we have seen, I think, a growth of times four compared to last year. But that's only an average because we have seen operators that made a jump of times 20 or something compared to last year's summer. Wow. One thing I wanted to ask you is around Voltae because obviously LTE services are core, but Voltae is emerging can you give us any insights on where you think Volte is going today? What is the trends, let's say, in Volte from an iBasis perspective? Well, we started working on Volte, of course, a long time ago, because the combination of voice and IP and IPX, which is Volte interworking and roaming, is at the heart of what we do. Right? We are essentially a voice over IP company when we started. So we embraced Volte with open arms and did working on all the different models for interworking and roaming two or three years ago. But... Volti, and especially the Volti roaming and interworking, is going slower than we expected, although it's moving gradually. And the last couple of weeks, the Clifty level has risen again, and which culminated basically in the result that was in your report that the Volti is one of the top three requirements for operators. And I see that mainly with operators that cannot do without Volti, like CDMA operators and 4G-only Greenfield operators, and of course, forerunners like SKT in South Korea, with whom we have been able to do live international Volti interworking with KPN a couple of weeks ago, which was, I think, a world's first. But most others actually have a lot to lose from the inbound voice revenue from their outbound roamers that will completely disappear when SHR is adapted as Volti, as the Volti roaming default model. So I think most operators are not really in a hurry to disrupt whatever they have going for themselves. But in the long run, it's, of course, unavoidable, as not embracing it 100% would defy the purpose of moving to an all-IP 4G network now, because otherwise you will have to stick around with two networks. So it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. But the real question, though, is, and that we discussed before when we were talking about WhatsApp and Skype, the features of, that Faulty has, like the low latency and the HD quality, they are perfect and they're great. But what share of minutes will the OTT apps grab at the end of the day, just like they did with messaging? So maybe the ceiling of the success of Volti is lower than we all expected. And SHR looks like becoming the de facto standard. So a, a perfect IPX quality of service support becomes even more essential, although the bandwidth use will be relatively small. I think I made a calculation the other day after TMO US had a press release that they had about 300 million Volti calls a day. That roughly corresponds to 700 megabit per second and realizing that there are about 10 gigabit per second in total GRX capacity. That means that all that faulty traffic represents only 10% of the total IPX need. But the good news is that finally, the, the multi-service quality needs that IPX has been proposing are finally coming about. So that, that's really great news. So we are still there to embrace it and, and offer all kinds of international possibilities. I'm just hoping it would go a bit quicker. Clearly in Marrakesh at the WAS meeting, there was actually some great presentations that we saw from different mobile operators who were telling their story or lessons learned from Volte. But I got a, also a feeling, and what you've just said is a little bit of a different perspective on 
that. And some people consider this to be niche. And maybe that's because what you're saying is is the pace of it is going somewhat slower than expected because, let's say, people have other projects. But you fully believe that this is going to be something that's going to be ubiquitous across all networks at some point in the future. Yes. The whole point of going to 4G is to have one single IP-based network and not having to deal with many networks. So if you're not going to do Volte, that means that for voice, you're going to have to do 2G and 2G. Defies the purpose of 4G. So it will come. Yeah, it's clearly if you want to decommission your 3G network or yeah. you know, you're not going to use that for Internet of Things purposes you're going to have to move to the LTE network and keeping LTE and, and 4G going with 5G on the horizon is going to be very tough for some MNOs, especially on the context of regulation in Europe, as we see. Why would European operators want to invest in all these additional services when they're already pushed on roaming revenues so strongly? Talking about IPX and the fact of the regulation, could you tell us anything about the effect that you've seen from the regulations this June? Yeah, gray hair. <laughs> no, yeah, it's both a threat and opportunity, Jason, to be honest. For the roaming department of KPN, it's of course a challenge and a threat because as a company like KPN is basically more outbound than inbound because the Dutch people like to travel so much, the costs are exploding. And for iBasis, that means that a lot more traffic generates a lot more opportunities and revenue for IPX. So it's a bit of a a two-edged sword, to be honest. So what we've seen is traffic explosions and more traffic explosions. And as a result of that, more and more price erosion. Our own data traffic has multiplied by four, as I said before. But KPN, for example, they normally are at, let's say, one gigabit per second GRX before the summer. And in August, I think it was the 4th of August or something, that was the finals of the Women's Soccer European Championship, which we won. But all the Dutch people uh, were on holiday in France and Spain and because they now had uh, free roaming and they could not view the final via VPN or via local Wi-Fi because the content was, of course, protected, they all used roaming to view it at the same time. So KPN had a peak of 20 gigabit per second. Wow. 20 gigabit per second. It only lasted about 10 minutes or something, but it was but it was enormous. And after that, they fell back to, let's say, 10 gigabit per second, which is still 10, 10 times more than they had before. So the impact is enormous. The disappearance of roaming tariffs have wiped away a big chunk of the roaming revenues. And at the same time, the price elasticity that, of course, prescribes its behavior of the market generates enormous traffic volumes and the, and the associated costs as well. So that's a double dip. So the result is that operators are asking more and more about flexible business models, i.e. peak versus off-peak, or they're asking simply bigger discounts every day. So it's all about doing more with less, and it's about new way of working. It's a new reality where a former challenger like us, of course, thrive a lot better than anybody else. No, it's true that what is becoming clear is that I speak occasionally to some sales professionals in the industry, and they're telling me about the price erosion in the IPX space. And clearly, it's not only Europe. I mean, Europe has been an inspiration, let's say, to the rest of the world. I'm always talking about these three bodies in Africa who are working independently at the moment on regulation. There's regulation going on in Asia, too, and some activity in Latin America. You have the GCC. This is a global phenomenon. And so for an IPX, it must be that the MNOs are coming and they're saying, we need to pass on this with the revenue loss we have, and we expect you to charge less. But coming with that, of course, is the increase in volume of data traffic that you must be seeing. So 
Yeah, and they're also asking for different business models because the difference between peaks and non-peaks has grown enormous, right? It's it's more than a factor 10 now, where it used to be a factor 2. So they're also saying, well, the traditional models that we see where we pay for the rights of a pipe uh, doesn't make sense anymore because 10 months out of 12, I don't use it to the max and only two months I use it. So I would like more flexibility in, in my payment. One other question that I had, and I've been looking, of course, at some of the activity of iBasis. You made a press release in February about a project you were doing with Cubic Telecom, and it was focused on your what you call the InVision Advanced Analytics Services. Mm-hmm. With all of this data that we're seeing, the volume of data increasing in the industry, analytics and big data are really more of a focus than ever before. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit more about this solution and how it works? Sure. Envision, what it does, it's a cloud-based software as a service platform, and it provides operators with advanced data analytics and insights for their key employees to boost revenue, but also to focus their resources and troubleshoot issues that are most key and do that first. So examples of what it does are, it it enables end-to-end rapid troubleshooting in international networks, it does predictive analytics, it does intelligent triggers of alarms for support teams, for example, and also offers unique insights for otherwise unseen new revenue opportunities, and can do that from, let's say, a whole network or a single country or a single destination or operator or a roaming partner or even individual IMSIs or devices. So it can really drill down as a looking glass to all kinds of levels to really look into the traffic and reduce cost and increase user experience. It works across all services, diameter, SS7, GRX, S8, and it's also able to correlate between them to uh, enable insight across the entire roaming experience. For example, if you start switching between 3G and 4G, for example, because of Volti, as we just discussed, you, of course, have to have a, an integral view of the customer situation, whether he is on S7 or on diameter. Um, and where it came from, it is 100% homegrown, so we don't depend on third-party vendors. We have a very good and smart IT department that all of that stuff itself and we can create any specific report a specific customer requires and i think in 2015 we were the first to introduce it for lte roaming and in that year we also won the uh, lte product of the year award at lte north america wow it makes me think of a question around mobile network operators and the data they have right and the ability that they have let's say to crunch that data in different ways or make it available to third parties i mean Do you see any of that emerging? I mean, do you see that that operators are really engaged with their opportunity that they have for big data and the solutions like this help them with that? Uh, I have not seen them do that. It's not in a roaming space. What we have seen, though, there was a a survey that uh, was done at the latest was in Marrakesh about BA51 which is the uh, roaming quality of service. But most operators said, I think it's very important to do Roman quality, but actually I don't know much about it yet because it's either too complicated or too expensive and that kind of stuff. So what they're mainly interested in using it for is increasing the quality and not yet exposing that to, to third parties, at least not the stuff that we make. Yeah. No, I mean, I think MNOs are historically not really wanting to exploit their position of trust with their subscribers in terms of the information yeah. that they have. And it makes complete sense. So I want to go back to the vendor performance report because one of the key areas that we saw from my basis was that you are a very easy company to work with and you do things in a very simple way. 
Does that make sense? I mean, and why do you think that is in terms yeah. of the way that you work? I was very happy to see that as a result, actually, because a couple of years ago, when we really started this, our motto was when the whole LTE roaming thing started was making LTE roaming work. That was our tagline, which in practice means that we won't leave the premises of the customer until everything works like expected. We bend over backwards to make that stuff work and uh, and more. Right? We have done bespoke solutions with customers where, for example, they had a problem with their the software version of their HSS. And we could resolve that in our DRA for one tenth of the cost of the alternative, which is upgrading the HSS. So as a former challenger, we really go the extra mile because all of the turmoil in the Roman market ask for a partner that is extremely flexible on all fronts, technical, operational, but also commercial, right? So we adapt ourselves to the context of the customer. That's why our new campaign revolves around partnership, adaptability, and excellence being in our nature, which means that we will never treat any customer like one of many, but we will treat all of them as our very first. That's how we treat our customers, and, um, and that comes out of it. So we're very proud to see that. I also think it could have something to do with the fact that, well, at least from my perception and perception of people around me, isn't it that Dutch people have this directness that enables... <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, when the first Dutch person I ever met was somebody who I worked with in O2 UK, and I found it really hard because... From a British perspective, you know, we're always hiding behind things, whereas Dutch people are way more direct. And sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, it's quite hard to handle. But I do think it can be very good for business in getting really to the point. Yes, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's when we beat around the bush in terms of responsibilities or problems that might arise or whatever, then you don't get a problem solved. So when we see a problem, wherever it lies, we're just honest about it and say, well, listen, guys, this... This is your problem, if whether you like it or not. And, and we have a solution for it or not. So it's up to you whether you let us help you. And in most cases, they say, wow, <laughs> ooh, that's honest. But great, if you think you can help us, go ahead. Put your money where your mouth is. And in a lot of cases, that then comes out. So uh, yeah, I think you're right. Well, no disrespect to the British people that I've worked with in the past, but um, <laughs> but there is a degree of let's say, confusion after you leave a meeting room with British people because you're never quite sure what was intended and what was actually said. But anyway, that's, um, that's theoretical. Hmm. iBasis have been in business for 20 years now. Uh, you must have seen a lot of changes during that period. Of course, we're in telecoms, so that's natural. What is the next chapter for iBasis? I mean, specifically, how do you plan for 2018? What is the next step that you're going to take as a business, would you say, if you can possibly simplify it? Sure. We have a lot of pillars that we are floating on, right? So one of them is international voice. And what we're doing there is just strengthen our position in a very difficult market. That's one. For mobile, we want to scale even further, right, to meet the growing demands of our customers and also leverage the opportunities that we see in IPX, like the two infamous ones roam like home and Internet of Things as they proliferate. And the goal is here to retain the number three market position that we have and to next year again appear in your top five. And we do that by investing more in capacity in quality in analytics, but of course also IoT capabilities. The third pillar is roaming itself because we also have the roaming department of KPN in-house now. So we will there ready ourselves for the changed world post roam like home and IoT. And of course, on IoT itself, we are working with IoT service providers and MNOs alike to provide connectivity in worldwide markets for mobile connected things using eSIM and related technologies. So with that quadruple 
combination, we will be able to strive for that partnership, adaptability and excellence that I mentioned, because we now can make our business reciprocal, right? We get revenue for IPX services, but we also bring revenues with voice termination, roaming termination and IoT. So when operators say, I'm losing a lot of money in, in roaming because of EU regulation, we say it can help you in there because we can bring you a partnership where the money flows in both directions. Yeah, clearly the MNOs who are affected deeply by regulation, especially those in the EU28 or the EEA, they need to diversify a bit, don't they? I mean, of course, there's still roaming destinations out there. This is only 31 countries which are affected by this regulation. But it's a big impact for some of those operators because people are crossing those borders in Europe. They're not necessarily going further afield to other continents. So roaming is still a business. Roaming is still something that operators should focus on. Absolutely. People want to travel more and more, especially now the economy goes a lot better and the costs have gone down. You see that roaming becomes, instead of a, let's say, a secondhand feature, it becomes an integral part of the overall user experience. The only thing is that we have been spoiled in the last 20 years and that those spoiling days are over. So we have to adapt to a new reality. And if IoT comes along, or not if, but when it, it is coming along, that will change things again. So in five years, things might look very different than now, but until we get there, roaming is an essential piece of any business of a mobile operator and an essential piece of the user experience. So Chris, I have a, another question for you. We've seen that with Internet of Things, let's say the majority of traffic will potentially go to Wi-Fi. Cellular operators will probably get, according to research I saw, around 17% of the share, which we call, let's say, cellular IoT. But then there is MIoT, there is NBIoT, and there is LTEM. What is the role of an IPX in terms of those services? That traffic is still being channeled through the IPX? It depends. As long as it's real cellular traffic and it uses the traditional channels, Yes, uh, in so far that, of course, the use cases that it's being used for are being served correctly by something that has been standardized for, let's say, human services. So, for example, last year when I went to the 5G World Forum in London, it was specifically said that 5G has to work for both IoT and latencies down to one millisecond. Well, if you have a latency of one millisecond, then you can forget about roaming, obviously. For that subset of IoT applications, roaming and an IPX, as we know it today, is simply not suited. So that means that you have to do that in another way, and then it's simply not roaming anymore. Then it will be eSIM technologies compared with uh, applications running as close to the user as possible, which is somewhere on the base station with network slicing. So in, from that particular perspective, IPX is going to have a different role. And that's also what we're looking at with our IoT proposition, where we are expanding our horizon from being in the international path of for when, it, when it's a roaming thing to being in the local path between the device and the IoT SP, with, of course, then generating and uh, offering profiles. So that's a bit of a different role. Yeah. In, indeed. And from a 5G perspective, with 5G coming up very soon, you know, even within the next year, what is the role of an IPX in the 5G space? The same as for LTE or LTE Advanced? I think so, yeah. But it will going to have to be a bit more intelligent than it is now. And that's why the whole big data thing becomes so important, but also local breakout. 
So what we are also doing, uh, which is, I think, one of the requirements for mobile operators from your research, was the possibility to have local breakout to support use cases with a low latency better than taking the traffic all the way home. So once you do that, you enable those applications that require low latency. But from an essential perspective, 5G is not different than 4G because it's an all IP network. It's just about it has different applications with more devices. So we have to be a bit smarter in how we switch the traffic compared to today, where voice is the most demanding application with about, what is it, 100 or 150 milliseconds delay, which can easily be handled. So we just have to rethink the architecture of IPX a little bit and be smarter about looking at the traffic and exposing what's going on to the operator so he can decide how to deal with that also towards his IoT customer. The future is really something very exciting. Well, Chris, it's really been a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you very much for your time today on this podcast. And we look forward to seeing how iBasis evolve in the coming years. We hope you enjoyed this week's podcast. Look out for more big interviews in the coming weeks. If you're an MNO or a vendor, you might be interested in joining our Volte Vision research. The surveys will be launched in November 2017 and focus on how Volte is growing and evolving in 2018. Until next time, this is Jason Bryan, and you've been listening to The Big Interview from Rocco Radio.